everybody's gotta eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. So what is our topic today? So today... We're going to talk about this disaster that's happening in Canada right now in the daycares that is very reminiscent of the Jack in the Box situation in Washington. Yeah. It's just, it's a hot mess. There is just like zero excuse for this. Yeah, 100%. The last numbers in Bill Marler, this was as of yesterday, I guess, Bill Marler put these up for us to see 125 culture confirmed cases. 25 hospitalized and nine hemolytic uremic syndrome confirmed children. It's so sad. So let's, let's, let's frame this and put some context. There are a bunch of daycare centers, 11 of them in Calgary, that get food delivered to their facility from the exact same place. It's this kitchen business mm -hmm. that makes food and sends it to different places. I guess specifically to daycares. looks like that must be their MO or where they send their product is daycare specifically. That's their business model. And there's this massive outbreak and a bunch of kids got sick. So from these daycares, like a lot of little kids got sick. And this is so sad. So if there's a hundred, it's actually as of yesterday, last night, it was 128. So it's gone from 125 to 128. But if there's 128, how, how many more? kids. Well, I mean, this was 12 hours ago. So, you know, know, that number's continuing. I'm sure that number's continuing to climb. And, you know, those 25 that are hospitalized and the additional children that are getting sick, probably the HUS cases are going to continue to grow as well. And of those children, how many of those children are going to be permanently damaged, lifelong illnesses? Yeah. And they may die. I mean, God forbid, I hope not. But the reality of the situation is that they might. Because somebody did something that they shouldn't do out of this central kitchen. Well, actually, they did a lot of things they're not supposed to do. If you look at just some of the laws. Well, okay, that so a lot of things that weren't supposed to happen, happened. Something caused this outbreak. The health inspections, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are 10 health inspections that were posted since July 27th of 2021. Now, some of these are repeat follow-up inspections. Some of these were regular inspections. One of these, they didn't even have a freaking permit. I'm trying to keep my yeah. language in check here. I know, I know. <laughs> before we started go, before we pushed go on this podcast, Francine and I had to make a commitment of limiting our... Um, <laughs> cussing on this because oh my gosh this is so bad this i truly so, don't have so a mouth <laughs> <Not> <laughs> like, no but when we get angry or frustrated or whatever then yes it is like some things are so ridiculous that it's like what what are they thinking what are they doing and they they serve a highly susceptible population yes these are children it's a daycare these kids are all under the age of five or six years old. So they should be being extra careful. 
right. because of the because of the population that they are feeding. And if you go, it's like, through uh, these, it's like daycares and uh, elderly facilities, assisted yeah, elderly living, facilities. nursing homes, hospitals. Uh, you know, they they fit that criteria. So you know, if you go through these, and I did, I printed these out, and I looked at them quickly to see what the violations are, you know, and, you know, not even caring enough to keep it, it. It appears to me like it's, it says food permit. I'm assuming that's the same thing as a food license. Cause again, this is another country. So yeah. the language may be a bit different. I wanted to know how many of these were critical violations and, you know, are there critical violations the same as our critical violations? I don't really know the answer to that question. I'm also curious, like they're, follow-ups it says follow-up required they had an inspection in february that yep. required a follow-up in january too follow-up was six months later well yeah so it's it's interesting so let's let's put this in context here so we have 11 different daycare centers and it has a central kitchen the central kitchen is kids sorry no uh the facility yeah is kids you centennial fueling minds inc Okay, so this is the central kitchen that is delivering the food to all these daycares. What uh, Francine are, are looking at is the actual records that Bill Marler posted on LinkedIn. Well, actually posted on his blog. And so we pulled this down last night and looked at it last night. We're like, holy cow, because this is bad. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven inspections over the course of two years. So the inspections, the inspector comes in, checks the kitchen, documents any violations, tells them to do any corrective actions. And then theoretically, they shouldn't do this over and over again, right? So when you go and perform these inspections, the issues should be fixed. But uh, yeah, so there on January 20, so it goes all the way back to July, July 27th. Is that right? I'm looking at this. But just within what, a year? So they had an inspection in October of 25th with violations cited. They came back the next day, October 26th, and it says follow-up required. Then January 25th, so they must have had some pretty big issues that those were follow-up. January 25th, they came back and they said violations cited, follow-up required. Then they came back the next day on the 26th, and then they say follow-up is required again. They come back out on February 23rd, 2023, and there's more violations cited. And then they show up April 26th, then violations cited, and then violations corrected on site. So there obviously is a string of violations that were headed to this disaster that the county, state, I'm not quite sure how Canada does it, if it's by county or by state or whatever, picked up on. They saw the violations there on the spot but just allowed this to continue. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like some of the very bad things like equipment sanitization violation. This is from April 26, 2023. Number one, quat sanitizer measured at zero PPM. Solution was discarded and remade to ensure, ensure to maintain the solution at between 200 to 400 PPM, which is parts per million. So it was at zero. They tested it. There was zero sanitizer in there. And they remade the solution right there on the spot. And then number two, the sanitizer wiping cloth appeared to be severely stained. 
They removed it and ensured wiping cloths are regularly laundered, obtain new wiping cloths if necessary. So there's recommendations that are being done. And then they're saying it's corrected on the spot. Yeah, of course. The inspectors in there is like, hey, these are bad issues. You need to correct this. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me fix it right now. But how frequently is this happening? There's obviously a culture of not understanding food safety. There is obviously no food safety culture here. Right. And this was just a ticking time bomb. Well, there is a food safety culture. It's just not a good thing. Right. So, that's exactly correct. Yes. It's a bad, that's right. You either have a good there. food safety culture or a bad food safety culture. It's obvious they have a negligent one. The last one that you mentioned about the dirty cloth that was in the sanitized water bucket that didn't meet the proper parts per million. This is something that Hal King and I have discussed many, many times. In fact, I think Hal King developed a, a, a program around this. That's a common problem in food service establishments. You know, yeah. you walk in and the first thing that they grab when they know the health inspectors there is their sanitized buckets with the cloths in them and they go dump them out, put new sanitizer and a new cloth in there because they're disgusting. They're yeah. absolutely disgusting because they're pulling that dirty, funky cloth out of the bucket and wiping all that bacteria-ridden water over everything that they wipe down with the funk that's in that bucket. I mean, that, that, is, and that doesn't make what's in this report right. I'm just saying that's, that's just a very common problem within food service establishments. In fact, you'll see this too. If you, if you look at Starbucks, a lot of times you'll see that bucket there and you'll see a timer on there. Uh, I remember when I was managing at Starbucks, people would ask me, why do you have a timer on that bucket? And the timer was to remind us to check the sanitizer and to replace it if needed. But, right. Yeah. Because depending on use, it should be changed a minimum of once every four hours. Is Starbucks paying us yet? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it was a great place to learn from because they actually, they created policies and, and actually care for it. Yeah. I love Starbucks. I mean, I'm a fan. It's one of the few places that I go regularly. But yeah, spray bottles are my preference. Yeah. Or disposable cloth. But anyway. Those buckets are a problem for that that very reason. It was it's almost you look on any health inspection report, it's almost always a violation. Almost always. Very few establishments do a good job with those buckets. It's one of those like out of sight, out of mind things where that's why policies are in place and reminders are there for, for employees to actually check them and do them. This is the other thing. They'll set them on the floor. And they inevitably get kicked under a grill or under a table or something. And then they'll pull them out from there and set them up on the table and use them. Yeah. So that's another that's another problem. The dishwasher. This dishwasher is a problem throughout all of yeah. these inspections. The, the temperature of the dishwasher. I mean, it is consistently, I think their temperatures there appear to be just a little bit different than what they are in this, the recommendation is in the States. In the States, a high temperature machines like 180 degrees Fahrenheit, 82 degrees Celsius is the recommendation. Stationary machines like 165 degrees or 74 degrees Celsius. So their temperatures seem to be a little bit different, which is neither here nor there. They're critical violations. And the critical violations are the ones that pose an eminent danger to the public. Well, and this is, I mean, this is interesting because in this inspection, this is not a critical danger, but a lot of times bad equipment or poor maintained equipment is the reason why you have systemic outbreaks. But the violation, another violation that's shown on here is the coating on the flat beater of the countertop stand mixer was in poor condition. The coating was severely chipped and may physically contaminate food. So that's a physical contamination issue. 
not a not a, a bacterial one. But when you have equipment that's out of order, it's hard to sanitize appropriately, mm-hmm. and bacteria will get into those crevices in areas, and then ultimately contaminate the product as well. So if this mixer was in bad working order, what other types of things were in bad working order where you could get bacteria systemically in there? It's crazy. Right. Well, and if you read through these, there are consistent, it appears to me that there are consistent equipment issues and sanitation issues. It just points to the fact that the food safety culture was very poor. They just didn't appear to care. Okay, so this brings up a few points of discussion that I'd love to hash out with you. One is, for our listeners at home, what are some ways that they can, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people dropping their kids off at daycares and they're providing some sort of meals or or even schools and they're providing some sort of meals. What type of things should they be asking about? Should they be asking, have you had a health inspection by the county and can I see it? Should they be asking to actually go in and look at the kitchen themselves Like what type of things should they be looking for? You know, that's a really good question. And I don't know that most parents would even think to ask those questions. If the kids are packing their lunches, do they have anywhere to even store those lunches and keep those lunches cold? You know, would be a a great question. Though These are are lunches that were served. That's just the first thing that happened to pop into my head, probably because my grandchildren packed their lunches. That just was the first thing that popped into my head. But asking to see the facility certainly isn't out of the question. If they'll let them back in, you know, to this facility, wherever they prepare the lunches, where do the lunches come from? Are they prepared on site or are they brought in? How do they transport those? And do they have a central kitchen? In the States, you know, most of the health inspections can be looked up online. You can go in and look those up online, but you can certainly ask to see those. You can ask to see the health inspections. If you walk into the facility and the area that you're looking at is in disrepair, the kitchen probably is too. Oh, that is 100% true. I think that's safe to say, but ask to see the kitchen. Have they had any food safety training? What are their food allergen policies? Do they have any food allergen policies? Has the staff had any you know, food handler training, food safety training? How many people have been trained? Is it just one person? Is that person all, already there? You know, those are all very valid questions, you know, and when I say how's that food transported, it's like, oh, well, we bring it in in a van. Well, you know, is that food transported (laughs) in the trunk of somebody's car? Is it refrigerated? Are there containers to keep the hot food hot and the cold food cold or the hot food and the cold food transported together? Is that food temperature taken when the food leaves and when it arrives? Do you have temperature logs? I mean... They may think you're crazy when you start to ask these questions, but your children are eating that food. See, that's one of those things too. Like if people think you're crazy, and this is what I love to do in trainings as well, is ex- explain the why, right? Yes. If you're asking these questions, I would just come with the, the before you start asking the questions, I would print off this uh, these articles about this daycare and the, the E. coli issues in there with 128 kids sick 25 of them in the hospital and you print it off. And then when you ask these questions, they're like, why are you asking you? You great question. Why I'm asking these questions. Here's an article about, you know, just recently a bunch of kids getting sick with E. coli because the, the central kitchen was a total mess. 
Right. And so now I'm worried about my children. I just want to make sure I, I'm not saying that you're not doing this right. I'm just doing my own check. I just want to make sure that everything is good. Well, right. And these are your children. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're your children. And you have every right to know the answers to those questions. And frankly, I don't care if people think I'm crazy. People think I'm crazy every time. (laughs) (laughs) I never think you're crazy, Francine. (laughs) Oh, you did a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At least every podcast, at least one of us thinks the other is crazy. At least (laughs) once. (laughs) And our spouses think we're crazy all the time. All the time. And, you know, let's talk about this from the daycare provider's perspective. You know, what are you doing to make sure that you're keeping the children safe? Have you had the certified food manager course? You know, has at least one person had it? And is that person on duty all the time? Have you offered the the food handler class to the employees that work there? What kind of allergen training do you know? Do you, have you had? Do you know about cross contact? You know, do you know which children? Is it well recorded which children have food intolerances or, and God forbid, food allergies? Right. I think it's was it Lorenzo's Law? Is that the name? It was just in that Texas that article you sent me the other day. It has to do with food allergens. It's about a little boy in New York who died. Yeah, because he was given a product that he was allergic to at uh, either daycare or preschool. You know, he was dropped off that day, a fine little boy, and was given something at school and died as a result of that. These things are needless; they shouldn't happen, but they happen because somebody didn't know, and somebody, as a result of a lack of training and education, didn't do what they should have done. And I think that's very sad. And my gut says that a lot of these situations happen, while I say they didn't care, a lot of it has to do with training and education. You know, they don't understand. I always say that there's a difference between training and education. Training is telling somebody how to do something and education is telling them why. So, you know, when you're telling somebody that this is what you need to do, you need to explain why you need to do it. When I was an employee, I always knew that the poultry needed to go on the bottom, raw poultry needed to go on the bottom, and that the produce needed to go above that. Nobody ever told me why. So I would love to tell you that I always put those 45-pound boxes underneath those, you know, 20-some pound boxes of lettuce. But when that cooler got full... I was your average employee. Yeah. I don't know if there was poultry sitting on that bottom shelf that I never threw the lettuce on the bread racks on the floor underneath it. Or at a grocery store, putting the chicken right next to the bag salad. You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, like that I, picture. Yeah. Was that at your grocery store, well, your local grocery store? No, somebody posted that picture and I shared it. Uh, and that was in Ohio. That, that was somewhere yeah. in Ohio. But this is sad. And I think there's going to be. This is something that people should be aware of so that they can go and make sure that their children are not consuming product from a kitchen that is like this. And this is just one of, I'm sure, hundreds, if not thousands of ticking time bombs out there, right? Like that got caught, that something happened systemically and a bunch of kids got sick 
And, uh, but th- I'm sure that there's thousands of kitchens like this, hundreds, if not thousands of kitchens like this that are also just ticking away. And, and someday it's going to be boom. And mm-hmm. a bunch of people are going to get sick again. So I, I think that, 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 that having consumers be aware and asking questions helps a lot because people don't want to be like, uh, say they don't want to lie. Right. And a lot of times it's like you said, they just don't know what they don't know. But okay, the next question I have for you is, this is what I post on LinkedIn. At what point in time does something like this move from civil litigation, civil lawsuit, where you're suing the heck out of them for money, to a criminal case, criminal prosecution? And I'm not sure that this is it, but if not, it's pretty darn close to being a potential criminal lawsuit. And the, and the third thing is, what happens with the state inspector or the county inspector that kept writing these people up for violations and nothing really was done? They never lost their license or anything like that. What is the teeth? And do you see, like, I think if there isn't teeth in Canada for this, I think the consumers are going to go crazy because when this happens to kids, little kids, hundreds of little kids, that's when people go, whoa, wait, what just happened? What? And they start diving into it and they find out that if their laws are insignificant, that will change very quickly. Uh, so I'm just curious of what your thoughts are on those two things. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm not an attorney. <laughs> <We're still. laughs> well, you play a great one on TV. You know what? Ah, this this should have been one where we called, saw if we could get Bill Marler on. So, texting. <laughs> texting. <laughs> um, so, anyway, my guess is, and I'm and I'm guessing from civil to criminal. My guess is, what did they know? Yeah, did they do that? They knew they were doing wrong. But could it be criminal negligence again? What did they know that they were doing wrong and what evidence is there of that? We don't know any of that yet. You know what I mean? We don't know. A lot of kids got sick, but this food was being prepared in one kitchen and it was going out. Yes. So is it one instance of something really bad went wrong and all this food went to all those different places and everybody got sick from that one time event where something just went wrong from one mistake that nobody really knew happened. You know what I mean? Where they should have been doing something, but they didn't do it. The policies and procedures were in place. Somebody just didn't do something that they should have done, but it was unintentional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Would that be criminal? I don't know the answer to something, but that's a whole lot different than somebody trying to cover something up or somebody saying, hey, don't cook those burgers to the right temperature or change that temperature log or manipulating things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I have a story on that too. And I could totally see, you know, it's daycare. There's probably a central kitchen for a daycare, whatever this company is that did this. So it's probably like really nice people that just didn't know what they don't know. And uh, I had a, you know, a lot of auditors, 400 auditors, they're very difficult to have a personal relationship with 400 auditors. And uh, uh, I had to go, when, when, you're, when you perform audits on the supply chain to a specific standard, different companies that own that standard will come and audit you auditing another organization. 
And one of them, I was there for this audit and inspections with that auditor that was auditing us and my auditor. And halfway through the audit, I went outside with with the, the main auditor from the standard. And he said to me, he's like, are you seeing issues? And I said, oh, yes, a lot of issues. And he's like, what do you think is going on? And I said, I think that this supplier, their food safety people are super nice and that my auditors might have been over a period of time coaching them through the audit because these people were like in their 60s, super, super nice people. And they had, they just didn't know what they didn't know. And my auditors, instead of being, instead of firmly saying, hey, listen, I, you're super nice. I know you're you're not trying to do this maliciously, but these are certain things that need to get fixed or it's a potential problem. And I just knew instantly what it was. Like, I just knew like, okay, because it, it, it was obvious that they, that they were going to fail this audit. The auditor of my auditor was there. And he was like, yeah, they have so many non-conformances. And I just missed it. I didn't know it because it was just a regular audit went through. And I was like, yeah, I got to retrain my guys to and gals to make sure that they're not coaching people through these things. And that could be what happened on this inspection was it's probably super nice people in this kitchen. They just don't know what they don't know. And the inspector is going through and f- continually finding violations. But instead of you know firmly going, hey, listen, if you don't figure this out, we are going to have to shut you down. We don't want to shut you down, but that is what's going to happen the next time we come in a month from now or whenever the next follow-up is. And if we keep finding these violations, we're going to have to shut you down. And I, that's, that's a hard thing, I think, for inspectors and for auditors to do, but it has to happen. Well, wait a minute. Now, the... The inspections aren't great. No, they're not great. But it's obvious that it's like, oh, fix it now. And they're fixing it on the spot. Well, and there's a place for corrective action. So I think there's a call as to, I know, there's a call as to, you know, what what can we fix? And at what point do you shut a restaurant down? You can't just arbitrarily start closing restaurants. When I did the health inspections in the area that I worked in, first year, I closed 20% of the restaurants in the town. I took some serious heat for that. Now, <laughs> wow, I'm surprised you're still alive. <laughs> Me too. Read the book. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. You, you, what you should have said was, yeah, uh, yes, Matt, you should read my book that's coming well, out. Well, I, I mean, like, there is up. a story in the book. <laughs> there is a story in the book. There's more than one. Uh, and there are stories that aren't in the book. You know, I had to get a police escort. There were places yeah. where I had to have a police escort because I couldn't go in without one because it just wasn't safe. <laughs> you know, I took some serious flack for what I did. I had to go before town council because I was closing these restaurants. It, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. So that being said, I've also talked to other health inspectors where they have said to me, you know, we're not allowed to close restaurants because legal won't support us. Now, I was an independent contractor. So I feel like I had a little bit more leeway than what somebody that say works for the state does because I just basically had to make sure my ass was covered. You know, it's so funny because so much of the industry gets pushback from independent contractors because you and I were both independent contractors just in different areas. And, you know, they always say like there's a conflict of interest with independent contractors because we're paid by the organization. But the state isn't any better because they're they get pushed back as well. I was paid by the city. 
as an independent contractor. So, okay, if you when you shut down twenty companies, did they sue you and sue the the state or the sue the city? Well, they went to the city. Um, I represented the city, but ultimately, I was responsible for what I did. So, I mean, I had I had hundreds of pictures. Yeah. Trust me, if I closed a restaurant, I made sure that I had there was critical violation upon critical violation upon critical violation when I was closing a restaurant. I mean, we had cockroaches floating in food. We had, you know, we had things that you just get, we had, (laughs) we had, you know, unidentifiable food floating in, in chemical buckets. We had just all kinds of craziness, you know, (laughs) unidentified food floating in chemical mystery meat in chemical buckets. This is a great quote. We had, we had, you know, goat carcasses hanging out of <laughs> boxes, um, you know, just, it was craziness. So yeah, hell yeah, I was, I was closing these restaurants and I was getting pushback, pushback for doing this. So there's really some craziness that goes on. And that was for me as an independent contractor. When I was, you know, I, I wrote a, question one time on a health inspector Facebook page. And it was like, what do you wish? Because I was getting ready to speak at a conference. What do you wish you had? Or what is it you wish you could change about the industry that you're in? And overwhelmingly, it was support from the departments that we work in. And it was like, well, what do you mean by that? And it was our legal departments. They won't support Mm -hmm. us when restaurants or facilities need to be shut down they won't let us do it. Wow. So that's where you end up. So when does consumer safety, when is that more important than basically legal affairs being worried about being sued? Yeah. As long as that inspector, in my opinion, as long as that legal, that inspector has the documentation that they need and they can prove what they need to prove why should you be afraid to close that restaurant? There was a restaurant, this did happen. There was a restaurant that I closed no less than four times in one year. I wanted to permanently take their license and they wouldn't let me do it. Wow. So that goes back to that ticking time bomb type of scenario. That literally is just, it's just an accident ready. To, it's not an accident. It's its its an incident ready to happen. Cockroach, dead cockroaches in the corner. I went one time, Matt, they were washing dishes in the utility sink. And there, was, there were like seven <laughs> cases of chicken defrosting in this filthy, dirty three-bay sink. Three-bay sink, you know, for listeners that don't know what that is, it's three sinks side by side, wash, rinse, and sanitize. Raw chicken stacked high as you could see it thawing in that sink. And they were washing the freaking dishes in the mop sink. Wow. And that's not all that was wrong. There was the overhead, the stack, the hood was so dirty that there was this thick syrup-like substance dripping down onto the food that they were cooking in the grill. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, hold on a second. I, I, I'm picturing this. So there's like an oozing, probably some sort of oily Springs. substance. It was a buildup because it hadn't been cleaned in so long. It was coming down it was out of the stack. Dripping into the pans down below? Not onto the grill, the food that they were kick- cooking on the grill. Wow. Okay, so that story is not in the book. You had to like filter out. It like, is. Oh, that one is in the book? Parts of Yeah, parts of it. Oh, yeah. You had to like filter out what stories to put in and what stories to put out because you have like so many in your oh, head. Oh, huh? yeah. There's, yeah. The book would be like, I wouldn't be done writing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can write another one. 
Yeah, so I think that's the that's the issue just throughout the whole entire supply chain of no matter who you are. Like if you're if you're an inspector, if you're an auditor, whatever, it's being able to actually do your job well. So many auditors say to me the same thing or or food safety and quality people within a facility as well, being able to implement the right practices and it being carried through the whole entire facility. It's hard. It, it's because a lot of times these practices slow down operations. And so um, nobody wants to do it. This is the other thing. That inspection took me nine hours probably because nine it was hours. so bad. Now, keep in mind, when you have hundreds of inspections that you have to do and you're responsible to do, how many inspectors are going to take the time to do that? And let's put context on here. Usually an inspection is what, two hours? Two to four hours? Two, depending on type of facility. And the average inspection is hour and a half, two hours, depending yeah. on the type, a good inspection. Yeah, an hour and a half, two hours. So this one took you nine hours. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I felt so bad when I was done. I felt so bad. There's, I'm not going to go into a lot of details because it's in my book. I felt so bad when I was done with this. So bad. I was in there before lunch. I was in there right after they opened. When I left, it was dark outside. And it was, it was, I felt so bad when I was done with this because I'm human. <laughs> I'm human. Yeah. And there's a reason I felt bad. It didn't have to do with closing them, but it, it, I just felt so bad. Yeah. And, and back to it, like a lot of people, I mean, the majority of the, the companies you work with, they're ran by very, very nice people. Mm-hmm. And um, so the hard part of your job is like implementing and enforcing the expectations and, and, and sometimes that's a hard, it's hard, it's hard. So none of this, none of this really, I mean, I always was very cognizant of the fact that this is their livelihood and it didn't have yeah. any impact on my job, but this is their livelihood. This is how they earn their money. And however long they're shut down, they're not earning any income. They're not earning money. So when they called me to do the reinspection and said that I'm ready, I wasn't one of those inspectors that would be like, I'll be back when I can get there. And right. go back a week later. I always went back as soon as I could get back there to reinspect them because time is money. And I would get back there as soon as I could get back to get them back open if they were indeed ready to reopen. Um, there's a lot of inspectors that will make them wait. Yeah, that's not that's not cool. You know what I mean? It's like I'll get there when I can get there. And I was not one of those people. I would make it a point to get back there as soon as I could as soon as I could get back. And if they were ready to reopen, I would reopen. There were a couple of places that, you know, they weren't ready. They didn't open. <laughs> they just didn't open. But yeah, none of that had anything to do with, I mean, that always made me feel bad. Every time I had to make people throw their money away in the dumpster, I felt bad. But it is what it is. It's not my fault. You know? It, yeah. That's a lot less money lost than a huge outbreak. That's, I mean, because this, this we're talking about, these this daycare, this, I mean, they're, they're going to go bankrupt. This is, they're done. Well, I, everybody's probably pulling their kit. Well, they're shut down. I read something today that said they're closed. Oh, totally. And, and they're pulling, every, every parent's pulling their kids out. But regardless of that, whatever the lawsuits are from this, they're done. Like there's no way. I'm pretty good with business. I don't think I could have recovered from this. There'd be no way to recover from this. Well, even if they open oh. under another name, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, this whole brand is done. Like this brand is... Yeah, I would think so as well. So that's... You're talking about losing money and stuff like that. I mean, the health inspector's job is to make sure that the people are safe so this doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. 
and that the restaurants don't lose their brand. I mean, it's really, truly, if an outbreak happens, you're done. Think about how long it took some of these major companies like Jack in a Box or Chipotle or whatever to recover from them. They were able to recover because of just the vast size that they had. But the people who have like three or four, 10, 20, 100 restaurants, done. They had the support, financial means to be able to recover. Most yes. companies do not. I mean, yeah. it, and it still impacted them for a long, long time. It wasn't just the money that they had to pay in fines. You know, when it comes to Chipotle and Jack in the Box, they had brand reputation they had to recover from. They had consumer trust they had to recover from. It took them yeah. a long time to be able to recover. Most businesses don't have that opportunity to make that happen. They don't have the time. So if that inspector, if those inspectors maybe didn't have teeth, didn't have the ability or support from legal to do what they needed to do to make sure that that central kitchen was uh, was up to par. I am guessing the voters in Calgary are going to be like, wait, what? Okay, we need to change this. We need to change it now because this is big news. But do they know that to be the case? Because that's not something that's publicly discussed. Uh I bet it is now. I mean, what new, I mean, we're not in Canada. We're not watching whatever the equivalent and is. We don't know what the Canada. Well, we should say that too. We're not in Canada. We don't know what the Canadian laws are. We don't know if they do. No, but I, I'm guessing that- every county in the States probably, you know, like that. How this inspector's job is tough. I'm guessing their media is like ours though. This has to be one of the top stories on the 24-7 news. Boy, I would imagine. I mean, I've had people from Canada commenting on- you know, I've, I have do business with some people in Canada. I have followers that are from Canada. Um, I've had a lot of people commenting on it. So I would imagine their media is all over it. Yes. So there's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there's going to be some changes. If, if, if they just didn't have the ability or the teeth to do so, I'm guessing they're going to have some now. I would hope so. I mean, I think it should, I think that health inspectors across the board should have some teeth to make things happen. They shouldn't be afraid to do their jobs. They yeah. should have the leeway they need to, they need to be able to, you know, document it and be fair, but they should be able to do their jobs. So sad. For anything that happens where like little tiny kids are involved, I don't know. Oh man, it's just, it's hard. I mean, obviously I have a heart for them, right? I have a heart for children. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have 10 of them. So, um, you keep and I raise them, up so, I mean, children, that's your so. collection is children. So <laughs> collect like children oh, can't collect marbles or something else. You collect children. We have flu going through our house right now. I don't even like seeing my kids catch the cold, let alone E. coli. Oh my gosh. Okay. So should we, should we change this? Yeah, we've been talking for like a really long time, 47 minutes. No. So people are probably tired of hearing us ramble. I don't know. I think that was actually a very good topic though myself. Yeah. I mean, occasionally we have to actually talk about food safety. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so people know that we really do know what we're... <laughs> uh, okay. So let's change. And we're going to talk about the one chip challenge. No. Francine and I are not actually, did you go get your chip Francine? No, but you know what we, okay. So I have a granddaughter, Giselle, who loves, 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 loves hot sauce. Every time I go to Mexico, no, I bring her back the, the really hot chocolate candy bars. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Like the ghost candy bars or whatever they are that you can buy in Mexico. I always bring those back from her. 
Like she eats hot sauce on everything. Before she comes to visit, I always make sure that I have plenty of hot sauce. I think she would drink that stuff out of the bottle. I mean, it is, it is, we have bought her hot sauce for Christmas. She's been doing this since she was like a child. When you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, they have those, the habanero mango wild wings, I think it is. I don't know. I can't eat them. Like I like hot stuff. I cannot eat them. This kid eats them like it's drinking water. (laughs) It's craziness. We went to see Taylor Swift a few years ago. And her mother had just been away and she brought her a piece of this chocolate. And she's back in the back, one of those candy bars. She's back in the back seat eating this candy bar. Now, I think she was probably 10, maybe then. She might be a little bit older. I don't know. And I'm like, give me a piece of that. And she gave me a piece of this candy bar. (laughs) I didn't know how hot it was. I hope you weren't driving. I don't think so. I think her mom was driving. I can't. I can't. (laughs) It's like... Why did you hit the car in front of you? I'm sorry, officer. My <laughs> granddaughter gave me a piece of spicy chocolate and my whole body shut down. That piece of chocolate was incredibly hot. And she's sitting back there eating like it's a milk chocolate candy bar. We found the chocolate that you would not use the five-second rule for. Probably not. I'd probably just let it go. <laughs> I mean, had I not taken such a big bite of it, it probably would have been good. But I... Just she's back there eating it like it's a milk chocolate bar. I didn't think it was going to be that hot. I just learned that you need to eat those in smaller pieces. She apparently, I don't know, is eating so much chocolate, this hot sauce that it's desensitized her or something. So anyway, the kid loves hot sauce. I have not had any of these. I know that my husband had talked about these wondering if she, you know, <laughs> if they would eat one of these. We never, we had never got them. But yeah, that's yeah. a shame. You know, it all boils down to I went to their website. And, hold on, hold you know, on. Before you start on this, so a kid just, a kid died. I know. I know, which is wow. And does everybody, I don't even know if everybody knows what these Pocky chips are. It's just a really hot Carolina. Reaper. Yeah, it's not just a really hot chip. Like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put this into perspective. Um, Same with us. Like, I make my own chili oil. Uh, Half my kids are Chinese. Half of them came from China. Love spicy food. So I make my own, like, chili oil. We, We have some of my kids not at all spicy. Some of my kids very spicy. I like spicy food. But when we're looking at the the Scoville heat scale, like a jalapeno is between 2,000 and 8,000 units on that scale, okay? So if if you like jalapeno poppers and that, like everything's, all the seeds are gone, all the pith is gone, and you're eating the jalapeno, it's probably about 2,000. If you have the seeds and everything on that, a really spicy jalapeno is about 8,000 units. These chips, these chips have a quote, whopping 1.7 million units on the Scoville scale. Yeah, that's a Carolina, the the Carolina Reaper chip, the Naga Viper pepper chip, 1.4 million units. Like, uh, yeah, it is whopping, 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 smack you in the face, potentially kill you, I guess. 
Well, it says that it comes with a big warning. It says, keep out of reach of children intended for adult consumption. Do not eat if you're sensitive to spicy foods, allergic to peppers, nightshades, or capsaicin, capsaicin, or are pregnant or have any medical conditions. I mean, my God, don't eat it if you're pregnant. What in the world? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What does that mean? So it goes back to, we talk about this all the time, food is chemistry, right? And so that is a chemical. Peppers are designed... It's, it's, it's the, the heat in a pepper are, or, or these chilies are designed for animals to not eat them, but for birds to eat them. Like if you go research this, it's weird that I know this, but birds don't have an, have an issue consuming the capsium. And so what they do is they consume the seeds, they fly away, poop the seeds out. And now the pepper continues to, or the chilies continue to grow everywhere, but it's, it's an actual chemical designed not to be pleasant for people to consume it. Human beings just, or uh, mammals to consume it. Human beings just happen to be like, you know what? It adds flavor. It's fantastic. We will eat it, whatever. We'll grow it and move move forward. But (laughs) these have been designed now to have amazing, amazingly high units on the Scoville scale to the point at which that chemical reaction could harm you. Well, it says possibly kill you. It continues after touching the chip. Wash your hands with soap. Do not touch your eyes or other sensitive areas. My God, you probably go blind. Seek medical <laughs> assistance should you experience difficulty breathing, fainting, or extended nausea. Yeah, sounds like something I want to do. Well, extended nausea because your body is just like get this out of me as fast as possible. Yeah, it's crazy. So our our good friend Darren Detweiler wrote an article on this. Yeah, he actually wrote the article. It is northeasternuniversity.edu that 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 did this article. And uh yeah, he wrote the whole entire he wrote about it and I was like, wow. Because this would actually be something that would totally happen in my house, but I'm gonna squash because a lot of my kids like spicy food. So I mean there's even been conversations about watching these one chip challenges. Yeah. I don't think I'm up for this. I'm not doing this. Well, we can't now because they've taken it off the market. Have they taken it off the market? Yes. It says, Packy One Chip Challenge is being pulled from the shelves. A subsidiary oh. of the Hershey Company said it was pulling the extremely, pulling the extraordinarily spicy chip out of, it printed, misprinted, but and then it says, um, teenager whose family said he had died after eating one. Yeah. So... Yeah, they're pulling it off the market. I mean, the FDA even issued a warning about this. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so I guess we're a day short and a, what is it? A day late and a, and a chip a short. short. Day short and a dot. <laughs> day late and a chip short. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we won't be having it. We'll be having it. Okay, that's good. But oh my gosh. Yeah, so maybe with those hot sauces, make sure to look at the, the that you're giving your granddaughter, make sure to look at that Scoville units well i mean we don't just dump it on a spoon and say here try this <laughs> you know what though some a lot of times people punish their kids that way um, people yeah, I, deal just... in, I deal in a whole world of, of so, yeah, and, and i know children, you do because yeah. i know like the whole foster child world unfortunately but yeah yeah they'll they'll like instead of you know putting soap in your mouth or whatever which which i also am a huge I hate that totally terrible thing but then also they'll put hot sauce in, in 
in their kids' mouths. Why? Melissa and I just talked about this this morning. Why I said to Melissa, animals and children, why do people feel the, why do people feel the need to emotionally or physically abuse anyone? I don't know, but especially animals and children. I yeah. mean, this is just a whole other podcast and it's not yeah. our area of expertise. <laughs> oh, it's definitely mine. And I am and it's very sad. I mean, we've uh, people talk about, you know, as a joke, shaken baby syndrome. I've actually had a foster baby that was completely brain dead because of shaken baby syndrome. Absolutely terrible. He had, he was a twin too. So we had both. We had the twin that did not have shaken baby syndrome, perfectly tracking like a regular nine month old kid, kid with shaken baby syndrome, brain dead at nine months. One, one kid, almost every bone in his body was broken. State looking to hand him back to the, the parents. And you're absolutely right. It's sad, like the abuse of children and pets. But yeah, if this is something, if this is something you do, punish your children with hot sauce. Make sure that they don't, you know, die or go to the hospital from it because you could get child abuse. Like I'm so opinionated about that. It's probably best I just don't talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm very opinionated about it. It's really sad, and you know what it is? It's, It's crazy. It might just be because the system allows a lot of grace, quote unquote, for people who abuse animals and abuse children. Actually, you can go to jail for a lot longer for abusing your animal than you can your children. It's crazy. I saw something on TV last night where somebody was sentenced for something that wasn't good, but they got a really crazy sentence. And I'm thinking there are people that do so much worse. I'm not saying this person shouldn't have been sentenced. They absolutely should have, but the sentence they got was crazy. And I'm thinking there are people that do so much worse and get so much less. Anyway, oh, we're yeah. on a whole different topic. Yeah. Whole different topic. I mean, but yeah, in some ways, I mean, these poor kids, they got abused by, they have all this E. coli. They got abused by their daycare for, you know, well, somebody did the something they have. I mean, it was, it was negligent, but still it's, it's that those poor kids will, some of them may not recover. Some of them may not recover or fully recover. So sad. So sad. Okay. This is significantly longer than usual. Oh, wait, one more thing. One more thing we have to talk about. Matt and I are going to be broadcasting live from the Food Safety Consortium in October. Sometime between the 16th and 18th of October, we will be broadcasting live from the Food Safety Consortium. And we are so excited. It's going to be so much fun. So come see us there. And when you register, enter the discount code. What is it, Matt? Poop. Poop. And that's spelled... P-O-O-P. Yes, it is. It's it's actually capital letters too. Capital P-O-O-P. So it's a really big poop. (laughs) So enter that big poop and we will see you at the Food Safety Consortium. And in the meantime, don't don't eat poop. poop.